Yeah, do it. All right. I've got my mind made up and I can't let go. I'm killing every second till it sees my soul. I'll be running, I'll be running till the love runs out, till the love runs out. And we'll start a fire and we'll shut it down till the love runs out, till the love runs out. Hey guys, it's Danielle. Thanks for tuning in. We have a lot of exciting things going on at Kensington I would love to tell you about. At Kensington, the sports references come naturally. You could say we have some crazy fans among us. So every year with the Super Bowl, we take time to pause from our current series and analyze the game. There's a lot of life lessons we can learn that we can apply to our own lives. It's fun, it's engaging, and it's humorous. It is the perfect service to invite someone to, especially that fan who might be a little reluctant to come to church at times. So come and join us as we learn about how it takes a team to win a game and how everyone has an important role to play. Should I do that? Yep. God has given Kensington a passion for building the kingdom near and far. We have over 10 global partners who are on the ground bringing Jesus to their communities. We support these partners with resources and with relationships. Our short-term trips bring us to the heart of what our partners are doing and gives us an opportunity to work together to bring the hope and love of Jesus to the nations. Our 2018 short-term trips are open to all with several locations, including Latin America, Brazil, Haiti, India, Nepal, Kenya, and Israel, as well as special projects within the U.S. So if this is something that interests you, check out the link below. <laughs> like, okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's going to take me a second. Okay. Okay. There is a new and exciting resource we want to share with you. So here's my friend Justin with more information. 
Hey, Kensington Church, we are so excited to share something with you today. Through the years, I have benefited from listening to great podcasts, messages online, watching videos, attending conferences, and hearing from some different teachers, leaders, and perspectives in my desire to grow. I know that so many of these resources have encouraged my relationship with Jesus, how I lead my family, and how I lead others. And now we have an opportunity that puts all of these resources into one place. It is the Netflix of Bible study material. There are over 14,000 videos that we're going to give you access to absolutely free. It's called Right Now Media. These videos are going to help you in the areas of parenting, finances, your relationship with Jesus, questions around apologetics, your leadership in the workplace and at Kensington, the Bible studies you lead. These are great videos for your marriage, for your family, and for your kids. And we are so excited to be able to give you access to this resource because we believe it will encourage you, your family, and the people you are leading. And it will encourage moments where Jesus transforms and mobilizes you towards his mission and purpose in this world. We believe that will have an impact on the groups and teams that you lead here and throughout the week. We hope you enjoy Right Now Media. Visit our website to accept this free gift from Kensington. So that's it, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now I'd love for you to stand up and say hi to some people around you. Well, good morning. I should say good afternoon. Isn't it, isn't it nice to be greeted by a live person? Right? And, and by the way, the reason why you were uh, greeted digitally is because that's what today's all about. Today is about uh, saying no to digital devices. Uh, by the way, I just want to say for those of you who might have you know, strayed in a little bit late, I feel bad for you because that opening number, wasn't that cool? The history of digital uh, devices, wasn't that really cool? Um, and then we had uh, that number where you saw those eight guys in the blocks singing together. Uh, just to let you know who that was. That was actually our eight worship arts leaders of all of our campuses. So they were the worship leaders of all of our campuses together on that digital uh, you know, song together or that medley. And then also, uh, which is really cool, is Aaron's there. And then uh, we went into Danielle. Of course, we know Danielle. And we, we covered all of that because we wanted to send a message which that today... Uh, you know, there's a lot of really cool stuff, and we're about to find out there's a lot of kind of potentially dangerous stuff about digital devices. I want to encourage you to go online and watch any other part of the series that you may have missed. Week number one, we started this idea of crave, you know, I just can't say no to. And the first week we said, I just can't say no to your approval. And approval is kind of woven into, you know, to the fabric of who we are, needing approval. Last, or the second week, we said, I just can't say no to the bottle. And we had talked about all substance abuse and then also the bottle. Uh, the third week, we said, I just can't say no to my body. We talked about being a worshiper or a neglector. If that's uh, something that you missed and want to look, again, just go online. Today is digital devices. And the weird part about digital devices is that not only have they changed our world in terms of communication, business, and, 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 and it's so cool. I mean, so much, so much good, right? But here's what we don't realize. We don't realize how deep it goes. 
We don't realize that there are emotions and longings of the human heart that uh, this digital device is no different than any other thing that we look to to fill the needs in our lives. We can replace and try to fill needs in our lives with a lot of things, with money, with stuff, with, you know, trying to be right, you know, whatever it is. But this, believe it or not, can be just as dangerous. So today, what we're saying is these aren't bad. In fact, they're incredible. But there is a line that can be drawn, and I think that we're going to explore where that line is, if any, for us today. So let's pray as we jump into this. Would you pray with me as we dive into this together? Father, we thank you for this morning or this afternoon, and we pray, Father, that you would help us to hear directly from you. Father, I pray that uh, regardless of whatever it is that people are going through, whether listening online or here in this room, whatever it is that we're dealing with, I pray, Lord, that we would allow you and the power of your Holy Spirit to break through the walls that we put up and just get to, to the core of who we are and that we would respond accordingly. Lord, we love you. We thank you. and We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I got to tell you real quick about this digital device interaction I had on Christmas morning. Um, I sent a text thread to the teaching team. And by the teaching team, I mean all the lead pastors of every campus. And because I'm the leader of the teaching team, I feel obligated to uh, create like community moments through this device. So on Sunday morning, it was like literally right when we were all opening Christmas presents, I decided to send a fun family photo to the rest of the teaching pastors just to kind of, you know, you know, just kind of share our home life with them. So this is what I sent. So there's me uh, with my family on Christmas morning, right? And so I sent that, hoping that somebody would get the idea that they would send a picture of their family. And sure enough, it happened. The Orion campus, Dave Wilson, sends this photo right here. He sends that back on the teaching thing. Now, apparently they dress up, which is really fun. That's around Dave's kitchen. I thought, man, that's awesome. And then Steve Andrews, our founding pastor, sure enough, he sends one like this two minutes later, right? And it's him, and that's his adopted grandchild and his mom. And, and by the way, Steve always goes overboard. He sent like 15 photos. He's like, <laughs> and I was like, stop it, just stop it. So I'm waiting for the other teaching pastors to kind of catch on because, you know, we didn't necessarily say anything. I'm just waiting, like, who's going to catch on? Well, then Cliff Johnson from our Birmingham campus sends this photo to which I, like, I said, like, come on, man. You sent me, like, a glamour shot photo of you and your family sitting in front of a posed position at a tree. So I'm like, boo. I said, boo. So we give them a hard time. Like, this is a real, in the moment, real time, kind of a family moment. So boo, right? So then Mark Nelson from our Clarkston campus sends this one. He decides to trump everybody and go outside. At least that's what he said. He goes outside and just says, hey, we stood in the cold real time, took a photo uh, on Christmas morning. And I thought, well, that's awesome. And and by the way, it doesn't look, they're all smiling. If I was out in that cold, I wouldn't be smiling, right? If you you love the snow and you think it's magical and all that crap, that's fine for you. But... (laughs) They live on a farm, you know, they love that stuff. So anyway, I've just looked, I'm like, oh, it seems so, you know, br- brutal. But we were like, oh, that Mark, that's awesome. Well, then sure enough, a couple minutes later, probably about 10 minutes later, Kevin Valentine, the lead pastor from our Orlando campus, decides to show up Mark. He goes outside 89 degrees and sends this photo right here <laughs> on Christmas Day. And so immediately when you get that picture, isn't it amazing how so much emotion can be attached to these digital interactions? Because I look at that and I'm like, wow, I'm pretty sure that I hate you. 
Like, I'm pretty sure in this moment, like, goodwill toward men on Christmas morning is gone, and I'm looking at the palm trees, I'm looking at, I'm looking outside at all the misery that I consider misery, and I think to myself, Christmas morning or not, I would rather be there, it's just me, right? I know you may all disagree, but I just, uh, I, I'm here, uh, you know, for other reasons other than the weather in Michigan, all right? So the point is, is that I just think that it's just a small reminder, this is a small example, but isn't it true that it, we do this on, on Facebook and Instagram where we see the pictures of other people, and what we do is we compare ourselves, somehow you look at Kevin's perfect family and you think it's somehow void of every problem that you have in your own family. And so we compare the highlight reel of what people post of their lives to the blooper reel of our own. And we get caught up in so many different things, which is again, how we're created and the longings of how God wired us and how we process things. What we don't realize is, is that this is woven together with not only how we do business and communicate, but also of who we are. It really is. So here's some, uh, Here's some things I want to throw out there, and I'd love for you to be honest and take a survey with me. And this survey is going to, you know, kind of reveal how addicted you are, perhaps, to this particular smartphone device, all right? So I don't want you to raise your hand. I want you to just keep track silently. You can count on your fingers or do whatever you need to do. But see if you say yes to these statements. If a loved one has told you that you have a problem with your digital device, if you say yes to that, if somebody close to you says you've got a problem, All right, if you say yes to that, keep track of it. How about this one? If you regularly do email, texts, or look at social media while sitting on the toilet. Anybody on that one, right? Just be honest. Don't, don't, don't be afraid to lie. You're in church, you'll go to double hell. So how about this one? You can't go five minutes, five full minutes without checking Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, or Facebook. How about this one? If you can say yes to this one, you regularly text while driving. All right? And then how about this next one? You just lied about that last statement. Because <laughs> nobody wants to admit that one. But if you said yes, mark it down. All right, how about this one? When your phone buzzes, you get excited about the alert. Because you're excited to see what's going on. You're like, woohoo, it buzzed. Because I want to see who's, who's reaching out to me. How about this one? You have answered an email or text while your loved one is sharing their heart with you. Have you ever done that? Where they're having a conversation and you're like, uh-huh. Uh Uh-huh. How about this one? Okay. Um, You've never turned off your phone in a day's time, in a 24-hour period, for more than five minutes. Or maybe you don't even turn it off for five minutes. You can agree with that one. How about this one? There's a permanent indentation in all your clothes where you keep your phone. (laughs) At every event in your life, you pull out your phone to capture it on video. Okay, how about this one? You often answer emails or texts at stoplights. Anybody say yes to that one? How about this one? When your little kids pretend to be you, they pull out their phone. So, okay, how many many be honest? If you've kept track, just be honest, all right? If you've said yes to at least four of those statements, raise your hand. At least four of those statements. Okay, over 50% of the room. All right, well then welcome to the club with me. You're addicted, all right? Because because it is a hard thing to admit, but uh, I think those are some good signs. Uh, let me let me let me say this. We're going to do a little experiment in this service. We're going to ask everybody to turn off their devices for the whole service, not just on airplane mode. No, actually, I'm totally kidding, totally kidding. But if you freaked out, you may be addicted. That was the point. If you just freaked out and you thought, "What? Like a full 60 minutes with nothing? Like how will I know what's going on with the world, or what's going on with Marcy?" You know, like because you got to know, right? 
Like if, if that's ever, if that was your reaction, then, you know, pay attention to it. Which, by the way, let me just go on record and say, when people actually use their phones during service, a lot of good can be done. A lot of people take their notes on phone. I think it's taken us years to give people the benefit of the doubt. They're like, they're on their phone playing. Well, they could be just taking notes. Did you know this when it comes to taking notes? Did you know that people actually retain 78% more information if they take notes on it? Did you know that? Which is why we encourage you to write things down and take notes or, te- or text them in your phone. 78%. And I'm not talking about just going back and looking at, at, at your journals. I'm talking about literally remembering the information 78% more. So I always encourage you, write it down. That's why I say it. Write it down. I'm a huge component of that. Write it down. Uh, write the scripture references down. I mean, copy, paste it. Send it to your friends. This device can allow you to impact people for Jesus Christ. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing. The gospel has been spread through more through this device than any other window in the history of the world. This is a great thing. It's not a bad thing. That's not what this message is. It's not a turn your phone away because it's evil. It's actually very neutral. But isn't that true that just like every other craving in our lives, cravings are not bad, right? A craving for hunger is not bad, but when it gets out of control, it becomes bad. You, you follow me here? Right? So it's not a bad thing. It's just that sometimes it'll cross the line and it gets woven into the fabric of who we are and who we long to be. So, um, by the way, just, just out of curiosity, how many of you would willingly admit in, the, in, in this moment, that you actually said yes to bringing your phone in the bathroom. Anybody would be willing to admit that? All right, very good. Well, that's almost all of you, right? Uh, which, by the way, doesn't that make you think twice the next time you say, hey, let me borrow your phone from somebody else? You're like, Whew. So, yeah. And let me say, you better think twice for borrowing mine. I just got to be honest. I remember... Um, Having the privilege of going with somebody to Hawaii, uh, it was the best kind of trip because they invited us and they paid for it. It was awesome. But I was in Maui on top of a uh, huge mountain watching the sunrise. One of the only times in my life I ever cried just from a sunrise. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I remember in that moment just experiencing it, thinking that meant the majesty could never be communicated to you even with a photo or a video. And next to me, there's a guy, he's like this, filming it. I'm thinking to myself like, dude, Like, you're missing the moment. The whole purpose of watching a sunrise, if you want to watch it on YouTube video, just pull it up, right? But you just can't capture it. I don't know what you're doing, but you need to live in the moment. You know that there's actually a condition. Listen to this. That that, that this has changed our world so much that there's an actual condition now, according to studies, called photo-taking impairment effect. And photo-taking impairment effect says that it's, it's when a person has trouble remembering the event because during the event, they took too many photos of it. It's almost as if by logging it away, somehow our brains tell us that they'll just sit this one out because we've logged it away and we'll go back to it later. Isn't that interesting? Uh, we have trouble remembering it because we're logging it away for something else, for, for next time. I think that's really interesting. Um, the next time you go out to dinner and you look at people sitting at tables, see how many people are actually looking down as opposed to looking up at each other. And just, just in terms of confession, uh, I've taken my wife out to dinner before and I've lit- literally made her sit there and wait while I was on my phone, either doing texts or sending emails. And sometimes I have to admit, maybe not even you know, completely necessary. So it's a really bad habit. Now, what scientists are finding out is that because this is a new technology, relatively, you know, 20 years old, that's a generous, you know, figure, that people are doing studies, and here's what they're finding out. Uh, The human race, our brains are actually changing. It's true. 
And so uh, Sean Parker, uh, the billionaire early Facebook investor and Napster founder, says that Mark Zuckerberg knowingly created a monster with an addictive social media uh, component. Parker, speaking at the Axios event, pulled back the curtain on Facebook's early days, saying it was actually designed to consume people. All the sharing and liking used like a drug to get people hooked on checking Facebook nonstop. And the question was, how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible, said Parker, referring to Facebook's earliest backdoor mission. Only God knows what it's doing to our children's brains. So did you know that Zuckerberg and Parker went on record and actually apologized to the world and said that we knew what we were creating, but we didn't know how it was going to affect the world. And they apologized to the world for creating Facebook. And in that same speech, they both admitted that they refused to let their children use Facebook. That's amazing, isn't it? So here's some digital stats. The average person, this isn't teenagers, this is just the average person, checks their phone 110 to 150 times per day. That's nine times an hour, according to studies. The only, uh, there, there was actually the highest one that they recorded was somebody recording, uh, checking their phone 900 times a day. All right, well, that's probably from a teenager, right? And the only thing I think, the only thing I do 900 times a day is either breathe or blink, right? Um, now, get this, combined now with TV watching, combined with working on computers, combined now with smartphones and other digital devices, believe it or not, the average American now spends 12 hours and 7 minutes consuming digital media every single day. And as a result of living in an increasingly digital world, according to the National Center of Biotechnology Information, the average attention span has now lowered in each human being by a third in recent years. It went from 12 seconds down to the attention span being 8 seconds, which is now less than a goldfish. That's a true statement. It's funny, but it's absolutely true, right? That guy loved that. <clears throat> um, so if you want to write something down, here's what you want to write down. What's in front of you is more important than what's in your hand. That's the theme of the day. What I mean by that is what's in front of you is more important than what's in your hand, right? Not the digital world, but the analog world is more important than what's right here. And we're going to build a case for that. What's in front of you relationally is more important than what's in front of you in uh, not reality, okay, or the digital world. Um, so here's the question. How do we go about recognizing that and what should we do about it? Well, here's two thoughts. and We're going to put everything into two major categories. Here's the first one. The first one is simply this. Look up. We have become a generation that spends our lives looking down at our phones. The world is happening all around us and we can potentially miss it because we're looking down in digital land. Let me explain it this way. Imagine a, a, a situation where a 14-year-old boy comes out of a church service, he goes down and waits in this whole like sort of like church lobby, and they're all just standing there with like 40 or 50 teenagers waiting for their parents to come pick them up or waiting for their friends to come pick them up. And instead of looking up and looking across the room and seeing the girl across a crowded room, which he will eventually have enough courage to ask her out and go on dates and then fall in love and then marry. But instead of doing that, he misses the entire thing because he's looking down. He's in a corner and he's looking down. He doesn't even look up. So potentially he misses it, which means they never get married, which means they never go to Bible college together, which means they never have three awesome children, 
which means that, you know, they never moved to Michigan or are part of the Clinton Township campus, right? <laughs> Have you figured out who this is, by the way? Okay, so, so <clears throat> imagine this. Now, uh, th- it's true. So if you were to take Steve Jobs and throw him in a time machine and then put iPhones back in 1987, there's a potential chance that I would be sitting in the lobby and instead of looking up, I'd be down here in a corner doing this. And so if I'm doing this in a corner and if I'm missing it, then think about how my life would change. I guarantee you I wouldn't be here right now. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God can't accomplish his sovereign way regardless of our choices. Certainly God could do what he wants. But what I am saying is for a fact, we all know that by looking down, you're missing moments that you potentially otherwise not miss if you weren't caught up, you know, in your own world. Listen, when it comes to the end of our lives, the end of our lives, I've done a lot of funerals. I've done a lot of funerals. I've been a pastor almost 27 years. At the end of every person's life, they're concerned about only one thing, and that's relationships. They're not concerned about 401ks. They're not concerned about anything else. They're concerned about their relationship with their heavenly father, and they're concerned about their relationship with everybody else. That's it. If you spend your whole life looking down, you might argue and say, well, this is a connection to a lot of different people superficially and a lot more people. That's fine. It's quite entertaining to get lost in this world. But if you look down and spend your whole life looking down more than you're looking up, you'll get to the end of your life pretty entertained. But guess what? You'll be by yourself. And so if you spend most of your life looking up, connecting relationally, I would argue and build a case and say, that's how God created us to be. Here's why. Well, uh, one very small reason why. Did you know that Forbes magazine published an article on, how, on social media how it's sabotaging real communication? Studies show that only 7% of communication is written word or verbal word. A whopping 93% is based on nonverbal body language. What does that mean? That means that when God designed us, and he created us to be relational beings. Why is it that God decided to make only 7% of communication by texting or even speaking the verbal language? 93% of communication, interaction, and relationship is nonverbal, which means when you type in through text, I'm fine, smiley face, smiley face, smiley face, it's only if I see you in person and see your countenance and demeanor will I know that you're not really fine. People can actually hide behind text. They can become anything they want to be. It's lazy communication, and certainly it's a lot easier. Digital life is a whole lot easier. We all know that. It's even easier to text than it is to call somebody. That's why we bail to text. But it's certainly a lot easier to maintain our relationships not face-to-face because we can truly be who we want to be. And, and in a lot of cases, we could hide who we really are or how we're feeling. I tell my staff this all the time. Uh, I say, if you text something or email something to somebody, then the heavier the statement, the more words you have to use. Because I believe that text is the most primal form of communication that there is. It's like caveman status, right? You can't read tone in text. And so if you're going to say a leadership, you know, uh, you know, command or a, you know, an instruction as a boss or, or even a big statement, then use triple the words that you're going to use. Well, they, they know my tone. No, they don't know your tone. So use triple the amount of words that you're going to use. Go back and retype that because it, it, text is horrible. And so if, if it's only 7% of our communication, think about it. Then, then, then why would God create us to interact? Do you know what Jesus says about relationships? Look at Mark chapter number 12, verse number 29. It says, The disciples asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater 
than these. And what Jesus is saying is, he's saying the primary reason why you're communi- you know, that you were created is relationships. Your relationship with your heavenly father, which requires looking up, and your relationship with everybody else, which requires looking up. And if you want to interact, act, and experience life with people, it requires this. It requires looking up. You can't experience all that God has for us. In fact, you'll miss out on 93% of it if you spend your life looking down. And so look up. One famous article reads this way. Uh, It's about being connected, but being disconnected. It says, we have more friends than ever before, and yet feel more disconnected and lonely than any other time in history. An ironic twist, social media has the potential to make us less social, a surrogate for the real thing. And I believe the thing that Jesus wants us to know today, that when Jesus said, you are created for relationships, he was saying the most important thing in life isn't a thing. It's a person, Jesus, and it's people around you. And so therefore, we need to disengage. And for a lot of us, this isn't a problem. But I would venture to say, just by guessing, probably most of us, it's a problem. And we need to understand, where does the line need to be drawn? Is there a line that needs to be drawn? I believe there is. And certainly we need to recognize where it is. Remember that what's in front of you is more important than what's in your hand. I'd love for you to watch a video story. It's a red chair story by Madison Nelson. Madison Nelson is the daughter of Mike Nelson, who was here all morning. I think he's backstage. But Mike Nelson is one of our uh, arts, centralized arts people that create services. He created this service. His daughter uh, is in her early 20s, and she had uh, a major encounter, a life-changing encounter, and it all revolved around digital devices. As you watch her story, um, we're going to take our offering at this time. As our ushers are coming down, I just want to say this. If you're uh, visiting today, don't worry about this moment. You can give if you'd like. But if you're a part of Kensington, we always are careful to say thank you for giving, because giving is, is is a part of our faith journey. I love how God designed the church. He actually designed us to give personally as a part of our faith journey with him, to trust him. But also, we give in a church, and God designed the church. When everybody gives corporately, it moves the church forward. So we're always careful to say thank you for trusting God and what it says about giving, you know, living generously, but also thank you for trusting us and our leadership and what God has called us to as well. So as as the offering is passing, don't miss uh, Madison's story as she talks about what digital devices have, have meant to her in the past and what God has done with her. I grew up in a Christian home. As I got older and kind of headed into high school, swimming upstream kind of gets tiring and that affected relationships with my parents. I was disrespectful, fighting with them a lot, disconnected with my siblings, wasn't spending time with them and typically we're the five amigos and really good friends and I was kind of not part of that anymore. I played volleyball all four years of high school and I was looking to play in college. It was a four-day tournament my junior year and I did something to my back and I tweaked it and I went to the doctor and the doctor said you're done it's over and that was a crushing moment for me just to know that I couldn't play the sport I loved anymore.
I was angry with God. I think I found a lot of my identity through that. I use social media as a crutch for that feeling of that was worth something, and I found my worth in that. Because I was fighting with my parents and didn't feel connected with my siblings, time on my phone was a lot. Social media became a big part. It was kind of my escape at home, for sure, and even within school. I spent countless hours on Instagram, Snapchatting different people, Facebook, you name it, I was on it, and I was doing it a lot. Having people like your picture or talking to them, people telling you that you're so pretty, um, felt good, and it was what I wanted to hear. So I used that as an escape to get validation from the world. As I was feeling lost and making poor decisions, one of my poor decisions was I got drunk at a Friday night football game in high school. And at the game, one of the teachers took notice. Um, that teacher did know who my parents were, and he did tell them what had happened that night. My parents confronted me about it that night that they found out, and I denied everything. I said, there's no way. I wasn't drunk. He saw me drinking water. Based on how I was acting and everything else going on in life, they knew that something was wrong and they knew that I was lying in that moment. My parents are not the type of parents that ground someone for two weeks and tell them to do better. Um, the moment that they found out my life was pretty much over. My phone was gone for all of senior year. Being 18, it was the end of the world. I could no longer escape into that world. I could no longer keep in touch with all my friends on Snapchat. I could no longer be told that I'm really pretty on social media. It was, I was detached. A couple days after I was grounded, um, I was still pretty angry and I came home from school and kind of got into another fight about it with my parents and even was more mad. And one of the things I do when I'm mad is I like to drive. And so that night I did ask my parents, can I just go for a drive? And they did allow me to do that. And as I was driving, my mom always had on the Christian radio station. And I was listening to that, and a song came on, and it was talking about how God just wants you to come home and about his grace and his love. And immediately, I was just overwhelmed. And I pulled over and just sobbed and just was my moment of being brought to my knees. And that was the moment that my life was forever changed. And that was my full surrender to God and kind of letting him take control of my life. The weeks following that moment with Jesus looked different. It was a time that I felt God's unconditional love and his grace, and I felt forgiven. And I felt like he was just embracing me and just whispering, welcome back. He was saying, welcome back to reality. Welcome back to what's going on around you. He was telling me that what's in front of me is what mattered. It was my siblings, it was my parents, and it was relationship with him. It was spending time with him. I had goals for myself that I wanted to finish at least the New Testament um, before I left for college. I looked forward to getting that time with him and learning more about Jesus and who he is and 
answering the question of why do I follow him? Why did I surrender my life to him? I have fallen completely in love with Jesus. And I have learned that my validation and my worthiness come from him. It does not come from social media, but it really comes from the word and what Jesus is saying about me and how he sees me and who I am to him. I'm sure you think this too, but I find that so incredibly inspiring. Isn't that inspiring to see somebody who's that young have an encounter with Jesus and say, and then my life is forever changed. There's a couple different things that I have felt all day watching that video. And the first one is, is that I was amazed on how all four weeks of this series was woven into her story. Did you hear how she said something about approval, right? The approval was all in there, wasn't it? And then that's attached to my body. She talked about my body. That was a part of it. Uh, the alcohol, I just can't say no to the bottle. That was in there. I mean, it just, it was all woven together. And then it was all, you know, attached to what? This. And then ultimately this was the problem. And so, you know, she's able to just say, hey man, my life is forever changed. Um, the statement that we made, that, you know, the statement that I said at the beginning was, was what's, in, uh, what's in front of you is more important than what's in your hand. That phrase came from Madison. And she said it in her video, didn't she? She said, what's in front of you is the most important thing. That's her statement. And I love how uh, I was talking to Mike earlier and he said, um, he said, uh, think about it, Chris. He goes, if she would have had her phone with her on that drive, on that car drive, he said, just based on where she was at the time, she would have been so engaged with her phone. She would have never listened to the song. She would have missed that moment entirely. Just, just because of her addiction. And what's interesting is, is that, you know, when we decide to look up and we decide to, you know, engage, there are moments that potentially are big moments that we never know where they'll lead. We never know where the trajectory of our lives, you know, where it'll take us and how it'll be different. And it's all about real, true interaction. Um, I also said to him, I said, how long did you guys take her phone away? And he said, he said, our daughter didn't have her phone for six months. I thought, man, if I took my phone away from my daughter for six minutes, it's, she freaks out, right? And then and I said, man, I'd be the worst person in the world. And he goes, we were the worst person in the world. But in, in it, how courageous is it for Mike and Linda to actually say, we know what needs to be done. And they did it, right? Yeah, it was awesome. And so, and the reason why is they know their daughter. It's not the same for everybody, but they knew their daughter. Um, and so here's the second action step. The second one is this. It's not just look up. It's also another dynamic to look away. And look away means two things. Look away means put it down and walk away from it. Look away and just, just have a sabbatical. But look away also means this, this is a portal to a lot of evil things, right? A lot of bad things. We understand what I'm talking about, right? There's a lot of, this, has, this gives you access to a lot of things that aren't good. You know, like uh, pursuing affairs relationally online or looking at pornography or anything that is just not healthy. This device is a portal to things that are just not healthy. So look away as a double meaning. And so not only do we need to look up and disengage and look in life, but sometimes we need to look away. Look what Paul says in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. I love how he says it. He says, be very careful. And I love that word there, very, by the way. Be very careful, Paul says. Then, and then means he's in the middle of a rant, 
right? In other words, I've said a lot of things before. He's talking about life. Uh, then means go back and, wa- and read, read what he's talking about. He's trying to give us, Paul is trying to give us a perspective from 30,000 feet. Paul is calling us from our everyday routine, and he's calling us to get a godly perspective, to get an overarching perspective of our lives, and he's going on and talking about it. And he says, be very careful then, and in the middle of his rant, on how you live. He's talking about our whole lives. Not as unwise, but as wise. Let me just stop there and say, I love also how Paul uh, takes time to differentiate the difference between right and wrong, black and white, sin and not sin, versus wise and unwise. There are times where, you know, people would say, hey, don't, don't tell me not what to do, what not to do, because there's not a Bible verse. You know, it's not black and white. Show me a verse. Show me where God says this is wrong, and that's black and white, or sin or not sin, or right or wrong. Paul is actually, this is, this is one of these times where Paul is saying, no, there's a difference, because some things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Remember last week, we looked at the verse where Paul said, some things, all things may be permissible, but not all things are actually beneficial. Right? So Paul is talking about this, these moments in our lives where we actually can go up, gain perspective, and use our wisdom and ask the question, what is the wise thing to do? Based on what we know, based on what we have, based on how God has wired us. So again, he says, be very careful then how you live, not as, wise, uh, not as unwise but as wise. Then here comes the perspective. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now, if you want to break that word down, it was written in the original Greek translated that that phrase, the days are evil, simply means the days are our enemy because they're short, because they're limited, right? Whenever we're faced with our number of days, uh, the book of uh, David in the book of Psalms talks about teaching us to number our days because they're short. Solomon talks about it. This is, this is that exact reference. The days are evil. They're our enemy. He's saying make the most of every opportunity because You've lived life long enough to know that this life is incredibly short, haven't you? And so then he goes on and says this, Therefore, in light of, in conclusion, do not be, and he uses the word foolish, but rather understand what the Lord's will is. And if we understand how God wired us, how he wants us to engage in life, if we understand the most important thing, and we know at the end of our lives what's going to be the most important thing, in light of all of that, then understand the days are evil. We need to live making the most of every opportunity, not missing the moments, looking up, and living life the way that God intended us to live. Let me just say this. This is relatively a new technology for us. I mean, uh, 20 years. Did I already say this? Right? I didn't say this, right? In this service. Uh, in, in the last 20 years, uh, we, we have spent all that time trying to figure out not only how to redo business, not only how to redo communication. This has radically changed our lives. But guess what? We're seeing studies of, of, of people trying to figure out how it affects us. The pendulum is swinging back and forth on how the human mind and how our emotions and how our longings and how, you know, all the troubles that come with it. And it's relatively new. And here's what I believe. I believe you and I may never live to see a time where we figured it out. And maybe our children's children down the road, they're going to look back at this, these couple of decades and say, that was the time when technology changed the face of the world and they were just trying to figure out how to live in it. You and I may never figure that out. 
in our lifetime. But we can recognize it as it happens. And we can say, there is a line. It is woven into the fabric of, of these longings that God placed in me that only Jesus can satisfy. And believe it or not, this is no different than satisfying every longing in our lives with other things like money or stuff or alcohol or relationships or approval. And somehow we get attached by substituting Jesus for these longings. And we don't even realize it until we peel back the layers. So how do we take a break? How do we implement uh, some things? Well, there is a, um, uh, Rick Warren gave a, a, wrote a book called How to Develop Your Spiritual Life. Rick Warren is actually the inceptor of Celebrate Recovery, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. And so in this book, he said, here's some three Sabbath principles, and here, here, here's how he wants us to remember them. It's D-D-W-W-A-A. Divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. Divert daily means, uh, is there some time every day where you can set your phone down? Maybe it's only five minutes or maybe it's an hour. Or maybe for you, maybe your thing like me, Liz would say to me, hey, if you're at a restaurant, put your phone away, right? And for, for me, maybe that's my divert daily. But there's one time during the day. Wouldn't it be great to have a, like a basket in your house where everybody just throws their cellular devices in for just a small period of time every day and just engage. You know that one of the things that Mike told me about Madison's testimony is now Madison, this early 20s you know, student, every time she gets together with her friends, they say, hey, let's put our phones to, to away because we're together now. What 20-year-old says that? I mean, I would give a lot of money for, for all of our family, heck, not just teenagers, even adults to think that way, right? That's amazing, isn't it? What perspective? So maybe for you, it's divert daily. And by the way, the world's not going to end. Uh, have you ever done this? Have you ever actually forgotten your phone in a room, like in one room, and you walk in the other room, and you're like, I got all my stuff, and you're like, where's my phone? And you walk back, because you can't even, and you grab it, and you're like, ah, oh, precious, precious, right? You just got to have it with you. You got to have it right next to you. You know what I'm talking about? And it's hilarious. But guess what? Guess what? We lived life before phones. How many of you remember what life was like before? Sell your phones. Anybody? Right? You remember that? Like, like now when you go to pick up, pick up your daughter, she's like, oh, just text me when you get here. But like before that time, remember getting picked up without a phone? You just stood out in the rain. You're like, <laughs> waiting for cars. Well, that's not her. Maybe this is her. That's not her. Right? I mean, that's the way it was, wasn't it? Like before phones, everybody found each other. Now you're like, oh, where's Stephen? Oh, there he is right there. Find my friends tells me he's right there, you know? And that's fine. That's great. It's a wonderful piece of... But you remember when you get lost as a kid? You were like shouting, mom, <laughs> mom. I mean, that's the only way you could do it, right? But we survived, didn't we? Like in a lot of ways, relationally, life was a lot better, wasn't it? And so it's like, hey, you know, you can, you can survive for five minutes a day or an hour a day without your phone. And by the way, sometimes when you do forget it, you get in your car and you go to a destination, you're like, I left my phone at home. And then you realize you're like, hey, wow, life's actually pretty enjoyable without my phone, you know? But you forget it and you wish you still had it though. You know, here's, here's the next one. The next one is withdraw weekly. Withdraw weekly is, wouldn't it be great to have a Sabbath? Like a Sabbath day. Like, like, you know, on Mondays, I never check, hardly ever check my email. I try to go the whole day and not check my email. And people would say, well, I, I emailed you. And I was like, well, it's on Monday. It's my day off. Like, I'm not going to check it. And so I don't go the whole day, but I try to go most of the day without checking my email. And so, I mean, like, to have a Sabbath, I mean, it's just a wonderful thing. And so some of you, it's like, you know, you just want to just try it. 
and then abandon annually is this. Wouldn't it be great to plan it out for when you go on vacation to actually turn it off and then just leave it off for an entire week, right? Some of you would have like, like withdrawals like nicotine. You'd be like, <laughs> right? But just to imagine that. I mean, you could even plan for it. You'd be like, hey, don't forget this week. I'm going to be out of, you know, communication. If you need me, call the hotel. They'll page me. They'll send a little servant down. They'll give me a little thing or whatever. So the point is, well, not servant. That was terrible. But, um... <laughs> employee but the point is is that like you know it's like doing things the old way right so what can you imagine just living life for a week with your family (laughs) relationally and turning this thing off and it'd be a great thing to abandon annually and just get a dose of what life is like i'd like to call out uh blair uh blair cremines as he gives his testimony would you give him a round of applause as he comes out Uh, Blair is a good friend. He is uh, just a very, very dedicated servant for Kensington. And uh, I really respect his uh, ability to, you know, courage, to transparency, to come share his story. Um, so anyway, I, I just want to thank you for being up here. And uh, so the first thing I want him to share with you is about three years ago, uh, well, actually, just a few weeks ago, you told me about what happened three years ago, right? And we did a service very similar to what we're about to do here with this this token challenge, right? So tell us kind of what led up to that and then that service. Sure. Uh, so basically, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, what it was like for me as a child. I was raised up in uh, a family with a violent alcoholic father. Uh, it was very common for me to be woken up in the middle of the night to screams and yelling. That culminated eventually to, in broad daylight, uh, my father pointing a loaded gun at myself and my mom. So that's what my childhood was like. In my home, violence, alcohol, and pornography was very, very common. So that's what I grew up with. Uh, Coming into adulthood, I realized through stresses and that I tried to make everything better by success and different things and school and stuff. But when the stress hit the fan... I would hit the computer and try to lose myself in that world. Three years ago, I tried to sit kind of in the very back row where it's dark way up there. And uh, uh, three years ago, basically it was a Saturday night, and I was getting uh, really lost on the computer on a Saturday night, and God said to me, you might want to check out Celebrate Recovery. You really need to get involved in that. And I'm like, no, not me. I don't need to do that. And God was pretty clear, you need to do that. He says, well, I'll go to church tomorrow. Let me just do that much. So from Saturday night to the next day, I get up in the morning, I come to church. This happens to be the one day that Pastor Chris is going to do a service on Celebrate Recovery. Out of the whole year. Big coincidence, right? So uh, I'm like, okay, pretty loud message. You know, God's speaking to me on Saturday. I come in Sunday. So the whole message, this is the exact chip that I picked up three years ago. So on that day, there was a challenge to, are you ready to come forward? So I got that invitation, and I decided to step out of my seat, walk down. I got some prayer down here, and I decided, so Saturday, then Sunday, and then Monday, I went to celebrate recovery. Spent a year and a quarter in a step study with guys, graduated from that went in through leadership training, and now I spent another year and a quarter teaching other guys about this. God's timing. Those guys graduate tomorrow. And so it's been how long since you've had victory? So 
I've had victory over these electronic devices and pornography for now three years. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Um, and so the chip that he's holding, uh, the, the wooden one, was from a series we did three years ago. I remember playing that series. Uh, it was called Knocked Out, and we did boxing gloves. And so that chip says uh, day one. And what it means is, is like today is your day one of change and decision, right? And so, um, so now you uh, have a lot more chips, right? So tell us real quick, what are those? So basically there's two different chips as God kind of, we call it peeling back the onion, as God kind of teaches you things and makes you understand other things in your lives, you may get a blue chip for a new day one for a new issue. And the other thing is, as you're tracking time and whatever your issue is, you start to get milestones. So in these chips, I have ones that go all the way up to a year, then 18 months, and again, I'm going to have three years in just a couple days. So it's either milestones or new issues that God's helping you deal with. But the great thing about Celebrate Recovery, it's not just for one issue. It's not for just drugs or alcohol. It's for all hurts, habits, and hang-ups. So it really welcomes everyone. Yeah. Let me just say this real quick. When I, when I, when I saw him pull out all these chips, I thought to myself, you know, it's funny. I can't speak for women, but I can speak for guys. But, but no guy especially wants to talk about issues in the past. Nobody. Nobody wants to peel back no onion, right? So in other words, like for instance, if I have like a problem with alcohol, the only thing I want to do is solve that problem and not go back to my childhood and talk about my childhood. What's the sense of that? That's, that's a guy's reaction. But you know what I've noticed? And this is, this is so true. Again, I've been a pastor for quite a long time. And what I've, what I've noticed throughout my whole life is that the issue that we deal with is really never the real issue, is it? Right? Life, life is pretty complicated, isn't it? Like when, if you have an anger issue, it's because you're angry because of something. I mean, it, it's always tied to something. And I mean, it's just like Madison. Think about this 20-year-old girl. So she's got this device issue. And all of a sudden now she is able to give a testimony and say, it's tied to this, it's tied to this. And she peels back the onion. You think a 20-year-old wants to do that? Right? But, but what I've noticed is, is that, listen, you're going to have to do it sooner or later. Because every issue I think that we deal with that is an issue, it, it, it's always layered. It's always complicated. And so I would just encourage you to say, hey, just, just take the first step. Take it one day at a time. And, and, and Blair is right. I mean, his journey is different than yours. You know, you may good, get in and get out temporarily. You may be on a journey. I bet you never expected three years later to be teaching it and being a part of it like that, right? And so, uh, listen, I want to, real quick, before I ask you for one more thing, I want to explain real quick what's going to happen. In just a minute, we're going to actually ask you to engage in a Crave Token response. So that's why you were given this card on the way in. Many of you already came prepared. We've been talking about it for three weeks. You came prepared to bring a token that symbolizes your craving that you want to give to God. Uh, up here, there's a lot of, uh, there's actually a couple of electronic devices. There's a TV remote control. There's a mirror. There's, there's drugs up here, actually. And there's pornography magazine in that bag that we're going to throw away. There's, uh, there's uh, uh, a wristwatch. There's, there's a relationship engagement ring. There's all these things that symbolize something for, you know, whatever. It's meaningful to whoever brought it up. But a lot of people didn't come today prepared to bring something. So that's why we've included these cards. So you can actually write down a word or just write down a sentence and say, this is my day one. And so what's going to happen is in a minute, we're going to stand, we're going to sing. Uh, and a lot of you will just sing, but, but, but a lot of you, I'm sure maybe even most of you will want to write something down and say, you know what? Why not today? Why not getting up out of the shadows and making today my day one? And the way we're going to do this, it's very important that you listen to this part. 
In order to move a crowd this size, we've got to do it together. So we're going to make your way toward the center aisles, come up the center aisle, and then this is like an altar of sorts. You want to drop your card or drop your Crave token, and then go, go to the outside aisles, and then grab a chip, and the chip you're going to grab says day one. And, and hopefully you can try to take the challenge of 30 days and say, God, I'm giving up whatever this is I'm going to write down or my token represents. And for 30 days, I'm going to, I'm going to abandon this and I'm going to trust you and lean on you to experience victory. Now, when you go to the outside aisles, there'll be people that are willing to pray with you. There's a little bit more room on the aisles. There's a prayer team member over there. If you want to pray with somebody real quick, they're, they're willing to do that with you. Um, and, and I'm going to encourage you not to leave. And, and I just want to say, uh, a lot of times we'll start, you know, singing or whatever and people will leave. And, and I, don't, I don't always scold everybody because, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But I'm going to get to be angry, Chris, for a little bit, okay? Just give me a minute. Um, don't, don't leave. Your, your life is not that busy, right? Just, just take a second and engage and just say, you know what? Maybe I just ought to look up and engage because I believe this moment is for all of us. So don't, don't be tempted to say, well, this moment isn't for me. I believe it is. I really do. And so I just want to encourage you really lightly. You know, we have a joke about uh, Steve Andrews. We, whenever he yells at people, we call him Angry Steve, which is why I called myself Angry Chris. But I'm not angry. I just want to say, I just want to encourage you to stay. Um, so here's the last question I want to uh, ask you. Take 30 seconds and tell us, is your life better James 5.16 says, confess to one another for the purpose of healing. That's been my mantra now for three years. I was completely broken, hopeless, and I couldn't fix any of these issues on my own. Jesus asked one thing of me, to get up out of my seat and walk forward and get a day one chip. Three years ago, I made that decision to do that, and my life's been changed ever since. The invitation's here for you today. Jesus is in the restoration business. He wants to restore and make you whole. He wants you to be healed. I'm healed and whole. I want that for you too. So take that invitation and come forward today. Awesome. Well, there's not too much else to say after that. Um, But at this time, we're going to stand. And the song is, I am no victim. Uh, and I'm never going back. So go ahead and stand up. And if you want to stand and sing, sing. And if you want to walk, then let's go ahead and start walking and walk toward the front. Faithful one, no matter how far I run, you lead me home. You extend your love. Fathering the orphan in me, you say I'm your own, never ever alone, never am alone, you found me, I never am I never am alone. You found me, and I made up my mind. I'm never going back. I'm 
back I made up my mind I'm never going back I'm never going back
phrase that keeps coming to my mind is what Blair said at the end. He said that Jesus is in the restoration business. I believe that three years from now, just like him, you might be able to look back and say, today, remember that day that I walked forward and I threw something down and I picked up a chip? I look back at that day and that was the first day for the rest of my life that I look back and I said, that was the beginning of the best year I've ever experienced. Well, 2018 could be the best year of your life if we just surrender and realize that not only is it the power that Jesus Christ gives us to overcome, but also invite other people in the process and tell somebody, maybe for you, it's go to Celebrate Recovery on Monday nights at Troy or Tuesday nights at the Orient Campus. There's a table out there. They'd love for you to swing by and maybe get some literature or ask a question about somebody else. But maybe it's join a small group or just invite somebody else because God God says we need him, but we need others. And that, we're, that, that both will provide us encouragement and strength and hope. I'd, li- I'd like to pray for these, uh, the, all these decisions. Man, I see a lot of things up here. I mean, good gosh, I, I can j- probably just cry thinking about it. There's a lot of words on these cards. There's a lot of items that represent a lot of things. I was spending my time last service opening the cards and reading them. I read about 20 cards or so, and I thought, man, I'm just heartbroken. I'm heartbroken at what people wrote. I have no idea who wrote them, but wow. And I just want to pray for us that that, that this might be the beginning of something that is different and that's powerful. So let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this day and this, this milestone. And I pray, Lord, as we have come and made decisions and made resolves and resolving decisions. And Lord, it's a really a surrendering. I pray, Father, that you would help us realize that you do give us the power to overcome, to experience victory, and that you also use others in our lives to give us hope and encouragement and strength as well. So I pray, Lord, that you would surround each person who's made a decision with the right people that would encourage them as well. Father, give us victory. Help us to live in your blessing and in your purpose with with abundant life. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I just want to make sure that you uh, invite somebody who's a big sports fan next week for Super Bowl Sunday. Bring him here and we'll see you then. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you.